0: may not always see the plan of God in your life you may not always see God working in your life things may seem to be upside down in your life the mountain may seem high but yet God has a divine plan that you may never realize
1: this is hope lives 365 with pastor Mark Finley today's message making healthy choices part one Enjoy, and remember you can always catch up with past messages and stay up to date with Hope Lives 365 and Pastor Mark by going to hopelives365.com. And now, Pastor Mark Finley.
0: Welcome, and I'm delighted that you are here, and I'm delighted that I am here. (laughs) I just came back from spending the last month in Dublin, Ireland. You know, Ireland is really two countries, not one. The Republic of Ireland is Southern Ireland, its capital is Dublin, It is has its own central government and it is on the euro for currency, it's attached to Europe. Northern Ireland it has its capital is Belfast, and it functions on the pound of the British currency, and it's tied into Britain. Northern Ireland is largely Protestant. Southern Ireland is largely Catholic. And they have had significant tension there for many, many years. One of the things that really impressed me this last month, and it impresses me here in Warrington as well, is how God is leading people who are honest-hearted to know Jesus and his truth. Let me give you three short examples of that. Georgia was a young art student in Italy. Her roots were in Dublin and she went to a wedding in Scotland. She had no background in religious things at all. She was drinking, smoking, typical 26-year-old European, secular. But there was something missing in her heart. There was this emptiness and longing. She left the wedding and got on a bus. And somebody sat next to her and gave her a copy of the book Patriarchs and Prophets. Now, I'm not sure whether that's the first book I would give somebody. Rather weighty, rather heavy. But she got home and read the first chapter of the book and said, This has to be inspired. Now, here's a drinking, smoking 26-year-old that has little interest in spiritual things but reads the first chapter of that book and it changes her life. She read the book and looked up the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and I was teaching a Bible class, and she walked through the door. We began to talk. She came to our meetings. I made an appeal, and Georgia made a decision to follow Jesus and be baptized. I think about Chris. Chris is brilliant. 33 years old, Ph.D., biochemistry student. He works in some of the large hospitals in biochemistry in Dublin. As he was working on his Ph.D., obviously, he came from an evolutionary background. All of the science that he had taught that we evolved and were here by a matter of chance. But Chris, as he looked into biochemistry, said, for some reason, this doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense. Everything I study in chemistry is order, design, symmetry. And so he said, I've got I've to check out this creation business. He googled on the internet, found Seventh-day Adventist scientists who had a reasonable, intelligent approach to creation. These Adventist scientists recognized that there are some problems, there are some difficulties, we don't have all the answers but the answers we have are a lot stronger than the ones we don't have Chris a biochemist began attending the Adventist Church and I made an appeal and this young PhD came forward to be baptized I think of Geraldine middle-aged Irish woman she's as Irish as they come and uh, again very little no interest in religion had a Catholic background but it really didn't impress her heart but she was a truth seeker open-minded One night she went to sleep and had a dream. And in that dream, she saw light coming through her television set. She didn't understand the dream. The next morning she woke up and received a brochure in the mail for our ancient discoveries series with a television speaker by the name of Mark Finley. She had never heard of that guy before, but she said, maybe that's the light coming through the television set. Came to our meetings, and when we made an appeal, she came forward to baptism. Story after story after story. One of the things that I am impressed about is the text in Chronicle, 2 Chronicles, Second Chronicles 16:9, where the Bible says, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth and are seeking those that are honest toward him. I don't believe that you are here today by accident. God brought you here. You may have been driving by the church and saw a sign. Somebody may have come to your home and given you a brochure. You may have been searching the Internet. But God, in His divine way, is gathering His people home. And whoever you are today, whatever your background is coming into this church, we want you to sense the Spirit of God is here. Whatever your culture, whatever your ethnicity, whatever your dress, whatever your education... You can walk through those doors and feel embraced and warm and welcomed. This is the place that God wants you to be. It's the place that we grow together in Christ. It's the place we're nurtured through his word. God is doing something special. I always enjoy coming to Warrington and being of what I believe is our our home church I've got a heavy schedule after this and so if you remember to pray for the old preacher if I were young I wouldn't be able to do this but if you remember to pray for the old preacher we leave next week and spend a week in California preaching I leave from there and fly to Peru for a week of preaching to about three thousand at a large uh, meeting there leave from there and I think we're home for one day and fly to Czechoslovakia to preach then I go to Greece and spend a few days. Then I go to the Middle East, and so I will be have a special assignment in the Middle East. There is a stirring in the Middle East. There's something happening that's very difficult to explain. But here's what's happening. I cannot tell you the whole story, but I will tell you part of it. The ISIS group has come across the Middle East with vicious brutality not seen before in the Uh, in years and years and years, with their uh, beheadings, their total disregard to human life. Many honest-hearted Muslims are saying, if this is what Islam is all about, we need to reconsider. So there seems to be an openness, there seems to be a receptivity Our internet is getting into the Middle East, and it's making a difference. Our television is getting into the Middle East. Many of these Muslims will never admit their spiritual longings. They're studying the Bible. They're studying Christianity. But in their homes, where nobody sees them, they are. So there is a real stirring in the Middle East. There's a stirring in China today. I've just been arranging to bring about 60 pastors out of China and take them on a tour of and give them Bible studies. Uh, These are the leading pastors in China. And so pray for us in some of the delicate negotiations and work that we're doing because God is moving in the world in very incredible ways. Let's open the Word of God together today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in the world. We thank you for the way Jesus is moving. And it's so amazing to see both here in Warrington and around the world, the blessings of God, the fact we know that something unusual is happening, that, that this is a preparation for your soon return. It's a preparation for the coming of Jesus, that you're gathering your children, some who were former Adventists, you're bringing them back, some who had no knowledge of, of your message and your words, you're bringing them. And, Lord, we're just amazed at what we see you doing. And we pray that you would move today in this service. In Christ's name, amen. A number of years ago, Nikita Khrushchev, who was the premier of Russia at the time, gave a speech to the Supreme Soviet in Russia. And as he was speaking, he was talking about the atrocities of Stalin. And he was very open. He was talking about how Stalin uh, put to death or killed 20 million Russians. And he was very, very critical of Stalin. Halfway through his speech, somebody passed up a note. And the note said this. It said, Premier Khrushchev. What were you doing when Stalin committed all these atrocities? Well, that really angered Khrushchev. And he shouted before the Supreme Soviet, Who passed up this note? Not a person stirred. I'll give him one minute to stand up. Who passed up this note? The seconds ticked off. Still, nobody moved. All right, Khrushchev said, I'll tell you what I was doing. I was doing exactly what the writer of this note was doing, absolutely nothing. Khrushchev was afraid for his life, and he was afraid to stand up and be counted. He was afraid to stand for his convictions. He was afraid to stand tall. It seems to me, if there ever was a time in the history of the world where God is calling us to stand for our convictions, it's today. See, you don't really believe what you don't stand for. If you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for anything. If you don't stand for something, your beliefs are not worth very much. If there's nothing you're passionate about, if nothing really matters, if everything is kind of like a blur on the spiritual radar screen of life, your faith is of little value. This morning... I want to study the life of one that stood tall. One of history's courageous giants. He served under at least five heads of state. He began his diplomatic service after he graduated from university. And he continued approximately 66 years in the work of government. Kings valued his counsel. Politicians treasured his judgment. Statesmen sought out his wisdom. And when his nation fell to a foreign power, surprisingly enough, this secretary of state was amazingly appointed to another term by a foreign conquering power. Now, Daniel's courage speaks of three vital elements. And the message comes echoing down the corridors of time, and it speaks to us.
1: We'll be right back with Pastor Mark Finley. We thank you for listening and hope you're enjoying today's message. Our mission is to attractively present the Christ-centered biblical truths of Scripture in a practical, relevant way to people around the world so that they may experience the abundant life that Christ offers and effectively share with confidence his life-changing truths with others. You can support this ministry and help us reach even more by going to Hopelives365.com slash donate. And now back to Pastor Mark Finley. And Daniel
0: speaks to us of three things. First, you can never stand tall unless you stand firm. Second, you can never stand tall unless you bow low. And thirdly, you can never stand tall unless you look beyond. So I invite you to take your Bible and turn to Daniel chapter 1. I'm going to spend some time in the entire book of Daniel this morning, discovering how we can stand tall in the circumstances of our life stand for the courage of our convictions, which in a world of secular values is increasingly more difficult. Daniel, the first chapter. And we begin there with the first verse. Daniel chapter 1, and we're looking there at verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. With some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. Now notice, there are two cities, Babylon and Jerusalem. Two kings, Nebuchadnezzar and Jehoiakim. Babylon attacks Jerusalem, devastates it, overthrows it. Here, evil triumphs over good. Sin triumphs over righteousness. The forces of hell triumph over the forces of, of God if you were Daniel and his friends taken captive never to see your home again you might raise a lot of questions God where in the world are you God Jerusalem is in ruins God the sanctuary has been invaded and the sacred vessels have been taken out Daniel could have looked back at the smoldering ruins of Jerusalem and felt bitter and angry He could easily have said, I'll never see God again. I'll never see my family again. God, why did you forsake us? Have you ever felt that in your life? Lord, I've tried to serve you. Lord, I've tried to be obedient to you. But look at what's happening in my life. It is really kind of a mess. There's an interesting nuance in verse 2. Notice what it says. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. The word for Lord in the Hebrew language is the word Adonai, and it means the one who rules over all, the one who is supreme, the one who sits on his throne. From an earthly perspective, God, from an earthly perspective, it may look like things are a mess, but God is still Adonai, God is still sitting on his throne, God is still in control. And if God wants to get Daniel into Babylon to influence Nebuchadnezzar to transform the whole nation of Babylon, God has ways of doing that. If God wants to influence eventually me to Persia, God has ways of doing that. So because I cannot see the purposes of God, because I cannot see the plan of God, doesn't mean God isn't working out his plan. You may not always see the plan of God in your life. You may not always see God working in your life. Things may seem to be upside down in your life. The mountain may seem high. But yet, God has a divine plan that you may never realize. Daniel is taken captive. King Nebuchadnezzar did not try to manipulate these Hebrews' thinking, and he did not try to uh, coerce them to serve him. His strategy was gradually, imperceptibly, to get them to compromise their integrity. Satan often doesn't work in our lives with some great moral compromise, but he works gradually, imperceptibly, leading us to take little steps on the journey away from God until he brings us to the point Where we're doing things that we never imagined we would do. The steps are little at first. A person misses church for a week because they're a little tired. And that becomes two weeks or three weeks. A person is unfaithful in their stewardship to God because they have bills a person begins to compromise their integrity by one glass of wine here and another there or be, or eating this or eating that and what ultimately happens gradually imperceptibly the pathway down is extremely slow notice what the strategy of nebuchadnezzar was let your eyes drop down please to daniel chapter 1 And uh, you'll notice Daniel 1, verse 6. Now, from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. When a Hebrew mother named her children, the name was a character name for the child to serve God. The name Daniel means God is my judge, God is my vindicator. So, captive in Babylon... Every time Daniel said his name, God is my judge. Now, in the ancient world, a judge was not somebody that condemns you. Now, I wouldn't like to look forward to going before the judge, would you? But in the ancient world, the judge is the one that said all things right. He was the vindicator. So every time Daniel said his name, he would be saying, God is the one that's going to set all things right. God is going to vindicate me. I may be in captive in Babylon. So his name reminded him of, of his God. The name Hananiah means the Lord is gracious unto me. So when little Hanny was running Around as a little boy, he would say, "My name is Hananiah. The Lord is gracious unto me. I may be captive in Babylon, but the Lord is gracious unto me." The name uh, here. Uh Michel means godlike, one who has the is honest, who has qualities of integrity, one who is just. Michel, name Michael in English, godlike. Azariah, the Lord is my helper. So the word Azariah in Hebrew is the Lord is my helper. So that was really problematic for Nebuchadnezzar because the name spoke of a God that was on his throne, a God that was gracious, a God that was all powerful. So Nebuchadnezzar had a strategy. I will not get them to bow down to idols initially, but I will give them honored names. And so what were the names changed to? Verse 7. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. And I can imagine this is a special naming ceremony. The chief of the eunuchs brings them. And he says, you're in Babylon now. And we are going to give you the most exalted names. He plays on their pride. He tries to speak to the needs of their heart. And to be accepted. He says, I'm going to give you exalted names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar. Belteshazzar. The god Bel was the chief god of all the Babylonians. He ruled over all. So Daniel receives a new name. You are special, Daniel. You've been set aside. You'll be educated in the schools of Babylon. You'll be supreme in the government. You are the keeper of the hid treasures of Bel. That's what Belteshazzar means, the keeper of the hid treasures of Bel. Then he goes on. He says to Hananiah, Shadrach. The name Shadrach means servant of the goddess of Sheba. Every one of these uh, names is a change of identity, this subtle change of identity, to the name Mishael, Meshach. Meshach means inspiration of the sun. The sun god was one of the chief gods of Babylon. And so your name is inspiration of the sun. You are so honored. You're receiving the highest names of Babylon. And then to Azariah, Abednego. Abednego is servant of Nebo. So they were given these names in a special naming ceremony. They were to receive the gods of Babylon. Their identity was changed. Once you lose your sense of identity as a Christian, once you do not recognize who you are, and once you lose that sense of identity, you're on your road to compromise. Who are you today? Who am I? I'm a son of God. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of the King. We have been called by Christ to be an ambassador for Jesus in this world. Once you forget who you are, once you lose your sense of purpose. One day, a preacher was preaching in New Orleans. He was called the preacher of Bourbon Street. I don't recommend you go there. But uh, the preacher Bourbon Street, very famous preacher, Pastor Bob, Bob Harrington was his name. Oh, Pastor Bob. Yeah, he's not the preacher of Bourbon Street. <laughs> Bob Harrington, Pastor Bob. And he would always take his Bible, go down among the disaffected and drunks and preach down in Bourbon Street in New Orleans. And uh, one day he was preaching and a drunk guy came out of the bar and poured beer on top of his head and poured beer all over his his Bible he kept preaching another day he was preaching in Bourbon Street and some guy came and ripped the page out of his Bible well one day he was walking on Bourbon Street and these guys half drunk came out and they said Pastor Bob where are you going and he simply looked and he said well I'm going to heaven but I'm just passing through town I'm going to heaven but I'm just passing through town once you lose your identity once you don't recognize who you are A son of God, a daughter of God, an ambassador for Christ. You're on your way to be squeezed into the devil's mold. But not only is identity in the general Christian context, but Daniel knew who he was. Daniel knew that he was special, that he was a Jew, that he was an Israelite, that he was to represent the true God before the world. Daniel, he understood his identity. As Seventh-day Adventists, we understand our identity. Although there are many Christian churches, we believe that God has raised up the Seventh-day Adventist Church at a unique moment in Earth's history to prepare a world for the coming of Jesus. We do not believe we're superior to other Christians, but we do believe that this is a unique, divine, prophetic movement. And once you lose that sense of identity, once you fail to understand who you are as an Adventist, once you have this idea, well, does this make that much difference, or does that make that much difference, and and, and I'm just one of many Christians, once you lose that sense of prophetic identity, Satan will begin to manipulate your mind and say, well, why does this little compromise make a difference, or why does that little compromise make a difference? The Bible says in Daniel 1 verse 8, Daniel 1 verse 8, but Daniel purposed in his heart. Now Daniel and his three friends were ushered into the banquet room of King Nebuchadnezzar. And there everything to delight the eye, everything to tempt the taste was on the table. The food was offered to idols and for them to participate in taking that food would have been idol worship. Also, to partake of that food, they would have compromised their integrity, violated their conscience because there was pork and other unclean foods there on that table. It would have defiled their health and deterred God's purpose for them. God has a destiny for you. And if we compromise our integrity, we will fail to ever reach the destiny that God has for us.
1: You've been listening to Hope Lives 365 with Pastor Mark Finley. We hope you've enjoyed today's message and remind you that you can find more in our many ministry resources at hopelives365.com. And you can support this ministry by going to hopelives365.com slash donate. And now a final thought from Pastor Mark.
0: I would rather struggle and have a peace in my heart that I would compromise conscientious convictions Daniel stood tall because he stood firm secondly you can never stand tall unless you bow low we are no match for the evil one unless we have supernatural power from above look at Daniel's life